We are on Yevamos Tzadi Dalar Amabez towards the bottom, 94b, moving on to 95a. The Our Mishnah discussed the case where uh, a person's wife, so let's say if Ruve married to Rachel <laughs> and Rachel's sister is Leah, so Rachel travels abroad and then a witness comes back and says that Rachel died. So now Ruve marries Leah. Uh, and then Rachel, after Ruben married Leah, uh, his sister-in-law, Rachel, comes back. So we say, the ruling of the mission is, is that Ruben obviously cannot stay with Leah. It's not even recognized as a marriage because Rachel was alive the whole time. But Ruben is allowed to return back to Rachel and stay married with Rachel, his original wife. Now this is in contrast to the first mission of this chapter, where we had uh, Ruben and Rachel, they are married. Um, and Reuven travels, and a witness comes and tells Rachel, your husband passed away. Um, and so Rachel now marries somebody else, because she thinks that her husband passed away. And then the husband, Reuven, comes back. So we say that Rachel, ha- it's not recognized as a marriage, because Reuven has been alive the whole time, but she has to separate from her second husband, and she also has to get divorced from her first husband. She's not allowed to stay married to her first husband. It's part of the whole process of making sure uh, she has to make sure and part of the part of the penalties that are in place uh, so that she makes sure that her husband is actually not alive. If the husband comes back, she's not allowed to stay married to her husband. Okay. The Gemara is going to ask, what's the difference? What's the difference between our Mishnah and the first Mishnah of the chapter where we said that she cannot stay married to her original husband? In our Mishnah, it says that if she travels afar... And the husband, Reuben, marries his wife's sister. So then, and then when she comes back, they are, she's like, Reuben and Rachel, they are allowed to stay married. What's the difference? So this is the big question. And this is the question of the Gemara. The Gemara says, I don't understand. We should say that he is not allowed to stay married to his wife, to Rachel. Comparable to the case of the first Mishnah, where we say that if the wife got married and then the husband came back, we say that they cannot stay married. What's the difference? Uh, the Gemara answer is low dummy. No, it's not comparable. We can't compare the two cases. The Gemara says that the rabbis only made their decree if on a biblical level, if this was intentional, so then there would have been a prohibition, meaning as follows. So Reuben is married to Rachel. So what happens if it's intentional? Let's say Rachel intentionally commits adultery. So if she commits adultery, adultery, the halach is, the Jewish law is, that she is forbidden to the person that she committed adultery with, but she also cannot stay married. They're not allowed to stay married. If a woman commits adultery, she's not allowed to stay married and they have to get divorced. So since they would have to get divorced, if, there was, if this was done willingly, on a biblical level, they would have to get divorced. So then our case, where it's not done willingly, it's where she's relying upon the witness. So in that case, the rabbis will decree and they'll say, you know what, you have to get divorced from your first husband. But in a case where on a biblical level, it doesn't create a prohibition, meaning on a biblical level, when it, uh, if, let's say it was intentional, let's say Reuben and Rachel are married, Rachel's sister is Leah, and Reuben intentionally has sexual relations with his sister-in-law, with his wife's sister, that does not create a prohibition between Reuven, 
uh, for Reuven to stay married to Rachel, even if he does it intentionally. It doesn't create a prohibition. Again, keep in mind uh, that Reuven is allowed to, on a biblical level, marry multiple, multiple wives. Now, there is a prohibition for him to marry his wife's sister, so he's not allowed to get married to his wife's sister, but having sexual relations with his wife's sister does not create a prohibition between him and his wife. Doesn't create. He, he's allowed to stay married to his wife. And so since on a, on a biblical level, if it was done willingly, he's allowed to stay married. So then even in a case where uh, he's relying upon the witnesses, uh, or the witness, the one witness, about the fact that his wife passed away, so then even if his wife were, were to return, we don't say that on a, on a rabbinic level that will create a decree that says that they have to get divorced. No, because since on a biblical level they're allowed to stay married, so then on a rabbinic level we also say that they will not create a, a ruling, a penalty, will not be put in place to say that they're not allowed to stay married uh, anymore. So that's the, that's the big distinction between the two cases. Essentially, whether or not the rabbis will create a, a penalty and put a penalty in place to say that uh, they're not allowed to stay married from their original marriage, that depends upon whether on a biblical level, if it was done willingly, would we say that there's uh, that they would have to get divorced. So the Gemara wants to know, how do we know this? How do we really know that if a person has sexual relations with his sister-in-law, with his wife's sister, willingly, how do we know that that doesn't, that doesn't require the husband and wife to get divorced? How do we know that's true? Based on the following Brisa, the Tanya Brisa, which is from the times of the Mishnah, it says as follows. The verse says, it says, Osa, Osa shchivasa osarsa, ve'en shchivasa chosa osarsa. The verse, in the context of adultery, it says, Osa. It says, Bishach of Ish, Osa Shechvazare, that um, in a case of adultery, that when she commits adultery, so then she becomes forbidden to her husband, as opposed to a case where a person has relations with his wife's sister, the implication is specifically in that case, only in a case of adultery do are the, are the two not allowed to stay married, because the husband and wife... They can no longer stay married. Implication being, but another type of forbidden relationship, i.e. having sexual relations with your sister-in-law, with your wife's sister, that will not uh, create a prohibition and will not require the husband and wife to get divorced. That you might have thought, if it wasn't for this verse, then you actually might have thought that they would have to get divorced. Why? If it wasn't for this verse, you would have thought that if a person had sexual relations with his wife's sister, that really there would be a prohibition for, for the husband and the wife to stay married. Why? Uh, based on a kavachomer, based on the following logical argument. Uh, and the Gemara will discuss this further, probably, we'll probably do this in the next recording. Uh, but there's this iser kal. If it, if in a, in, a, in a weaker prohibition, and the Gemara will conclude that what it's referring to is adultery. The reason why adultery is viewed as a weaker prohibition is not because of the punishment, but it's a, viewed as a as a weaker, uh, uh, a more lenient prohibition in the sense that uh, there's a way to get out of it. That she, if they get divorced, uh, so then she then can marry somebody else. So it's not like. Uh, it's it's automatically going to be that if the husband is uh, you know that if the husband is alive, so then there's a prohibition for the wife to to have sexual relations with somebody else. No, there are circumstances where it's allowed, i.e., if they get divorced. So it, in that sense, it's viewed as a lighter, a lighter prohibition. So in a case of a lighter prohibition, where if she has sexual relations with somebody, she commits adultery, she becomes forbidden to the one. Essentially, her husband, by entering into this marriage with her husband, her husband basically created a scenario where she's not allowed to have sexual relations with anybody else. 
If she does violate that, so then she's prohibited to her husband. She's prohibited to the one who created the situation to begin with by getting married to him. So that, and that's viewed as weaker. So then certainly in a case where, uh, when it comes to your wife's sister, where that prohibition continues to exist as long as your wife is alive, even if you get divorced, as long as your wife is alive, you're not allowed to marry or have sexual relations with your wife's sister. So then certainly that case where it's viewed as a more severe prohibition. Why is it viewed as more severe? Because there's no way of creating some sort of, uh, that will be permissible for the husband to get married to his wife's sister. It'll never be allowed as long as the wife is alive. The wife, who's the one who creates this prohibition in the sense that she creates it in the sense that it's through the relationship between the husband and the wife, there's now a prohibition for the husband to marry his wife's sister. As long as the wife is alive, that prohibition continues to exist. Even if they get divorced, the prohibition continues to exist. So now it's viewed as more, more of a stringent prohibition than adultery, which is allowed once they get divorced. It's no longer viewed as adultery. So then in that case, certainly, if in a case of adultery, uh, there becomes a prohibition between the husband and the wife, so then so certainly in the case of where the husband has relations with his wife's sister, so then that should create a prohibition between the husband and the one who created this this, uh, uh, this to begin with, which is the wife, so that she create a prohibition between the husband and the wife, and they shouldn't be able to stay married. That is the logical argument that one would have thought if it wasn't for the verse. If it wasn't for the verse, one would have actually thought that you cannot stay married to your wife after having sexual relations with your wife's sister. Uh, comes the verse to tell you that, no, it's not, a, it's not a prohibition. Now, we will see in the Gemara, in the few lines, in the coming lines of the Gemara, that there are actually opinions out there that do not rely. They don't, they don't think that uh, they have a different tradition, that the verse is not coming to say, oh, when it comes to adultery and specifically adultery, so then the, the couple can't stay married. Implication being that if, it was, if a person had sexual relations with their wife's sister, so then they could stay married. No, there are opinions that, that really rely, they don't rely on the verse, but they actually, they, don't, they have a different tradition. They, they don't think the verse is teaching us that, but they believe that, uh, like this Kava Chomer, like this logical argument to say that if by adultery they, the couple can't stay married, so then certainly a more severe uh, prohibition, i.e. Ma- uh, having sexual relations with your wife's sister, will also create a prohibition for the couple to stay married. There will be opinions that say that, as we'll see in the coming lines of the Gemara. So the Gemara now basically explained how do we know that you're allowed to stay married to your wife after having sexual relations with your wife's sister. Now Rabbi Yehuda now says, we'll have the following dispute between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi. I'm Rabbi Yehuda. Essentially, Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Yossi, these are two rabbis, they're going to have a dispute about how to understand a different dispute. How do they understand the dispute between Beishamai, the house of Shammai, and that Beishilah, the house of Hillel? These are two great uh, uh, yeshivas. These are two great... Uh, uh, study halls, the house of Shammai and the house of Hillel, and they have a certain argument. The question is, what do they argue about? We know that they argued about something having to do with either your sister-in-law or your mother-in-law, but we're not sure exactly what they're arguing about. So there's two different opinions. Rabbi Huda says as follows, everybody agrees, both Shammai and Beishel, they both agree that if a person has sexual relations with their mother-in-law, then they cannot stay married to their wife when it comes to the mother-in-law. When it comes to the sister-in-law, that's a dispute. Beishamah says you can't stay married. They basically rely on the 
uh, logical argument that we presented before. Beis Hillel says, no, you could stay married to your wife based on the verse that we quoted before. The verse um, overrides the logical argument. That is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yossi says, no, the exact opposite. That Rabbi Yossi says the exact opposite, that everybody agrees to the verse. Everybody agrees that if a person has sexual relations with their sister-in-law, they're allowed to stay married to their wife. The whole argument between Beishamah and Beishelel is with regards to the mother-in-law. Beishamah says that if a person who has, has sexual relations with their mother-in-law, so then they cannot stay married. Beishelel says no, they can still stay married. They're still still allowed to stay married. How do we know they're allowed to stay married? Uh, so that will that will discuss. That will come up later on in the Gemara. What exactly is the argument with regards to the mother-in-law? But Rabiosi's of the statement has the statement that everybody agrees when it comes to the sister-in-law that you're allowed to stay married to your wife. Why? What? Why? Why is that allowed? So the Gemara explains. Originally, before they got married, he's allowed to marry whoever he wants. She's allowed to marry whoever she wants. Once they get married, really, once they get engaged. So now there are certain limitations put in place. Meruba There are certain prohibitions, there are certain limitations put into place, and there are more limitations placed upon the wife than upon the husband. Why? He makes it that she's now limited to only have sexual relations with her husband. She cannot have sexual relations with anybody else in the world. However, it's not reciprocal. He is allowed to marry other women. The only women that he cannot marry now are her immediate relatives. He cannot marry her sister. He cannot marry her mother. He cannot marry her daughter. Um, so there's a various uh, limitations based on relatives. But for the most part, he can marry whoever he wants. So the limitations are a lot greater when it comes to her than it comes to him. So therefore, as follows, Valodinu, Umahu Period. Essentially as follows. In a case of where we have a witness, the Gemara is discussing a case where there's a witness. Um that when there's a witness that says that uh, the whatever the case is, the husband's not alive or the wife is not alive. So when we say, so again, there's greater limitations on the wife. She cannot marry anybody. And then the, and then the court says she could go ahead and get married based on the witness. And she gets married to somebody else. And then the husband comes back. We say that they're not allowed to stay married. That's in a case of, of relying on the witnesses. But if it was some other case of where, uh, let's say, it was against her will, let's say she uh, it was against her will, and she not in the case of witnesses and where really she has to look into the matter, but any other case which is against her will, so then if she has sexual relations outside the context of marriage, she is allowed to stay uh, with her husband. For example, let's say, God forbid, she's raped, or any other case where it's, where it's against her will, she is allowed to stay married. Uh, what about, so then... She's allowed to stay married. So then certainly in a case where if it's the opposite end, where if it's the husband who has very little limitations 
So if he for somehow against his will has sexual relations with his wife's sister, so then certainly in that case he's allowed to stay married with his wife. One can make such an argument, but that's limited just to that case. That's only in that case where they're being forced. What and, and it's against their will. What about if it's a case where it's willingly, when it's done willingly? So the whole point of this Brisa, the whole point of Rebiosi is to say this line. It's based on the verse that we quoted before. If uh, a husband willingly has sexual relations with his wife's sister, he's allowed to stay married to his wife based on the verse that we quoted before. Tamad Lomar, Osa, it's based on the verse that says the only time that you're not allowed to stay married when it's specifically adultery. The verse is talking about adultery. Implication being, if it was some other case, so then you're allowed to stay married. So that in a case where you have sexual relations with your wife's sister, so then you'd be allowed to stay married. Okay, period. Um, so that all explains Rabiosi. Again, Rabiosi says everybody agrees when it comes to your wife's sister, you're allowed to stay married to your wife. Uh, that everybody agrees to. The whole dispute is about your mother-in-law. Rabbi Yehuda said the opposite. Rabbi Yehuda said that there's a dispute between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel about what happens if a person has sexual relations willingly with his wife's sister. Dispute whether or not you're allowed to stay married. We follow the position that you are allowed to stay married. But Rabbi Yehuda also says that everybody agrees that when it comes to your mother-in-law that you're not allowed to stay married. If a person has sexual relations with their mother-in-law, they cannot stay married to their wife. So, the Gemara for the, will now continue on that topic and say, well, where does that come from? The mother-in-law. If anything, uh, maybe I would learn from the sister-in-law that you are allowed to stay married. How do we know that with regards to the mother-in-law, you're not allowed to stay married? According to Behuda and according to Biosi, that itself is a dispute. Well, why would you say one way or the other? So, Amr Biyami Amr Ishlakish, my time is Rabbi Yehuda. What's the reason for Rabbi Yehuda? So the reason is as follows. The Chsev, the verse says, Ba'ish Yisrifu Oso Ve'ashen. The verse says that, and we had this verse earlier in uh, the previous recording. Um, we the verse says that that she, the wife, and the wife's mother, they are punished with uh, with death. Now, the Gemara says, I understand that the mother is deserving of death. She committed, uh, she had sexual relations with her son-in-law, the, with, and the husband had sexual relations with his mother-in-law. So that's a reason to have death, uh, to have a punishment of death. But what did the wife do wrong? She's really, she's deserving of, uh, of death. So rather, this is the understanding of Rabbi Huda, according to everybody. This is according to Rabbi Huda, but according to Rabbi Yossi, this is only the position of Beis Shammai, not of Beis Hillel, that the verse itself is coming to teach us, you're right, not everybody is deserving of death, but everybody is deserving of separation. Meaning, certainly the husband has to separate from his mother-in-law. He always had to separate from his mother-in-law. Uh, and they couldn't have sexual relations ever, and they still can't. But not only that, but also with regards to his wife, there also has to be separation. The reason why it's put together is not with regards to the law of death. That The death penalty is only, deser- is only the mother-in-law is only deserving of the death penalty, but there has to be separation. The husband and the wife can no longer stay uh, marry. They cannot stay married, and that comes from the verse itself. A few more lines in the Gemara. Am Rabbi Huda, Am Shmuel, ain halachic Rabbi Huda. Shmuel says, we do not follow Rabbi Huda. We do not follow this position. In essence, we follow the position that says that even with regards to your mother-in-law, if you, a person has sexual relations with their mother-in-law, they are allowed to stay married to their wife. And we have the following story. Um, you know, a person, there was a story where a person had sexual relations with his mother-in-law, it's not allowed. It's a biblical prohibition. What we're discussing is not whether it's allowed or not. Um, 
it's a question of about whether they get uh, whether they have to separate from their wife. So Asr of Yehuda nagde. So Yehuda comes and he gave the person lashes. They couldn't get the death penalty at the time because it was after uh, the point in time where the it was after the the Sanhedrin the court decided that they're no longer giving the death penalty. So they couldn't get the death penalty, but they gave lashes. He gave lashes. And Amr Lain, he also told him, he loved Amr Shmuelain, you're lucky, he says. Because if it wasn't for the fact that Shmuel said that we don't follow Rabbi Yehuda, not only would I give you lashes, you'd also have to get divorced from your wife. You would have to get divorced from your wife. But but uh, we don't follow Rabbi Yehuda. Shmuel says we don't follow Rabbi Yehuda, so you're lucky because you don't have to get divorced from your wife. But uh, otherwise you would. And uh, that's what the Gemara concludes. So this is uh, this is the end of this part of the Gemara. Essentially, what we covered in this in this recording for today on Sadi and Aleph is the discussion about what is the source or what is the ruling when it comes to a person having sexual relations both with their mother-in-law, with either their mother-in-law or their sister-in-law. Are they prohibited now to stay married to their wife? And at the end of the day, we follow the ruling that says that with regards to either one, they could stay married.